Hello guys, welcome back to another ad- another edition of World Club's podcast, Varus Nunitus. <laughs> I think I butchered that name. But anyways, it is now October, which is Filipino American History Month. And so today the topic we'll be discussing is Philippine American relations now. And so I'm your host. I'm Yana. And I'm the art director for World Club and the IS Manila Review. And the rest of my wonderful participants will now introduce themselves. Um, hi, I'm Jasmine. I am PRO World Club Council, right? And I take, wait, are also our social studies class. Yes. So I take global politics, geography, and ESS. Hi, I'm Joaquin. I uh, am the um, co-vice president of the World Club, and I take geography, global politics, and ESS as well. And, uh, yeah. I'm Green, and I take a, I'm a junior, and I take HLE Com. And I forgot to throw this in earlier, but... I am a senior, and I take HL economics, but before that, I've dabbled in AP US history and AP human geography. So we will just go right into it. So obviously, this one's going to be a lot more contemporary than our last edition, which is more of a crash course. And so we're just going to be diving right into it. So the first thing we have on uh, to discuss today is just... The relationships in terms of the presidents and administrations of our current president, Duterte, and once Obama, but has now transitioned into President Trump. So who wants to, who wants to start off? Um, <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess I'll go for it. So Duterte, his whole, I guess... The thing that he was going for when he was running for presidency in the Philippines was a big part of it was his crackdown on drugs. So he was big on the reduction of crime, crime rates all over the Philippines, especially in Manila. And then along with that, the reduction of the use of illegal drugs. So does anyone have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's definitely been, like, a highly publicized topic in regard to the Philippines. Like, I know from experience, like, um, when I've met people, like, around the world, usually what comes to their mind when they think Philippines is Manny Pacquiao and the drug war, because it's been very criticized by lots and lots of organizations and just ad- other administrations. So, just to start off, I think... Um, Duterte, I, I believe, became president in 2016. Anyone can fact check that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2016, right? Okay. And so at the time, President Obama was still in office. And um, Duterte is very known for his very um, outspoken and loud comments. And so in response to the U.S. criticizing, the White House criticizing, the drug war and the extrajudicial killings as a violation of human rights, he um, actually told President Obama to, quote, go to hell and then threatened to break up with the U.S. in favor of Russia and China. 
And this is like a pretty big deal considering the United States has had a super long history with the Philippines with really strong relations from like colonization and World War II. The Philippines is a big World War II naval base for the United States. And that would have been a really major, ma major thing in both the United States history and the Philippine history if, as Duterte said, threatened to break up with them. Um. Yes, he, he his that was a direct quote. He th threatened to break up with them. And so, yeah, like, going back to what Jasmine said, like, we, it's it's also important to note that ISM, um, our wonderful international school Manila, was actually once called the American School of Manila because it was established by Americans in what was once the Bel Air campus and has now transitioned into International School Manila, but yeah, just a testament towards how long-standing the relationship between the U.S. and the Philippines has been because ISM, as we all know, had its centennial year last year. So it's definitely a long, interesting relationship between the two. And then also, the whole thing about going towards Russia and China, that's... That's interesting because the United States is long known for their, I guess, war against communism. And Russia and China are two of the very big faces that, despite the fact they don't actually practice communism outright, they're big, I guess, red states, as the United States would see it. It's part of like the Red Scare, McCarthyism. It's big historical uh, conflicts with both Russia and China from the Cold War and now Trump and the trade war and now also COVID. Yeah. Trump definitely does not like China or <laughs> China or Russia. So it's it's an interesting take. It would mean a lot of I mean would would the Philippines be seen as less democratic and more communist if they sided with Russia and China? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've, we've seen this time and time again from Duterte, even now, and like, especially with the pandemic, there's been a lot of, um, the Philippines has been, I don't know, heavily, but definitely been relying on China and Russia to some extent. I believe like one of the pieces of news I recently heard was the fact that um, the Philippines was looking to Russia for vaccines, and then China toward at the beginning of the pandemic was supplying a lot of like medical PPEs and that kind of thing. So it's definitely interesting that he said this in 2016 and now we're seeing kind of like he is kind of going towards that direction, even though he hasn't like formally, I guess, broken up with the bilateral relationship that the US and the Philippines currently, actually, I don't know currently, but have had for a long time. And so I guess we'll transition next into more of the Trump administration. And so Duterte's take on Trump is that he's a good president and deserves to be reelected. And so he said this in response to um he Duterte actually ended a military agreement between the United States and the and the Philippines that had something to do with the US soldiers operating in the Philippines. And his defense secretary, Duterte's defense secretary, I believe actually called the move unfortunate, but then Duterte was just happy, I guess, that the U.S. didn't criticize his move. And so, I mean, there are definitely, like, similarities between the two. Does anyone want to speak more towards that? Like, they're constantly in the media, I think. 
their two big, along with Bolsonaro from Brazil, though I feel like those are the main three that have been the big new populist leaders, even though I would argue that Trump couldn't really be considered truly populist. I mean, they're all three for the common man, for the people, but they're also all very right-wing, uh, relatively compared to the rest of the world's political spectrum and very realist. They all have very strong beliefs in nationalism, military power. I feel like that's one of the reasons why now Trump and Duterte are, I guess they would be considered relatively in cahoots. I don't know, like they have a stronger alliance now compared to Obama administration. Yeah. Padilla, I noticed, uh, yeah, another, yeah, go. <laughs> another similarity that also I think is quite important to point out is the fact that in the U.S., uh, Trump has been also uh, heavily trying to crack down the war on drugs there with Mexico. I think that really correlates with how Duterte has been uh, responding to the crisis here as well in the Philippines with the drug war the uh, past five years. Yes, yeah. I think it's just another important similarity to point out. Yeah, they both have, like, very similar priorities. Um, and they both have very axiomatic kind of thinking, if you guys get what I'm saying, like very absolute thinking, like Duterte's solution being um, to the drug war being that he will, quote, kill them all, which is a direct quote from the president as well, while Trump's solution to immigration was to build a wall. So it's interesting to see how their approaches are very... Very easy to understand as well. I feel like that's part of the appeal that people see in them is the fact that they're when they say something, they they kind of pinpoint like um a very complicated and like very yeah like a complicated issue and just propose very simple solutions to it. And I feel like that's what appeals to a lot of people that do end up voting for them. Pads, I also noticed that you um unmuted. Anything to comment? <laughs> well. Yeah, I think in the end, their worldview can be summarized as um, they do not see good diplomacy or negotiation or anything of the sort as the best way to ensure peace and stability. They ensure they would rather have lots of um, they rather have peace through strength, basically, which is in a lot of the realist perspective of international relations. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it, I, I don't think necessarily, I mean, to take a completely unbiased view, despite my disagreement with both leaders, I think they both have, they, they're very patriotic, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Very patriotic, very similar, as we mentioned, the drug war. There's a lot of parallels to be made, but I feel like something interesting is that is, is it one of their differences like the way they handle immigration because Duterte encourages OFWs and overseas workers yes. in comparison to Trump who's very against the growing immigration into, into the United States I, I mean oh Pat go ahead actually I, I feel like with Trump's um immigration policy it's not like to be fair it's not really he's against 
immigration per se, but now he's adopting more of like we want skilled workers rather than simply a mm-hmm. family um, tie. So he's more mm-hmm. like, because like don't just prioritize people because they have family in the United States, but more because they um, can provide skills, which aligns with Duterte's philosophy on immigration, where he wants Filipino skills to be showcased around the world and wants some more financial flows to between the Philippines and other countries. Yeah, I guess also speaking from a more economic standpoint, which actually both leaders have been kind of... That's been a reason that people support them as well as the fact is their impact on the economy, which has apparently been great in both instances to some extent and strong. But um, I guess um, kind of to explain Duterte's um, promotion of OFWs and such, it can pretty much be explained by the fact that the Philippines is still a developing country. And so we need that introduction of um, foreign currencies from things like remittances, so basically money that's sent from a br- that's sent back yeah. home from yeah yeah. So we definitely rely on OFWs to an extent to introduce that kind of foreign currency back into the Philippines because like we gotta work there to get up to the U.S. The, the U.S. doesn't need as much immigration because their currency is strong on its own, you know. And so, yeah, Duterte and Trump, pretty, both, both pretty interesting cases. I mean, when Duterte was first, or, who was elected first? I believe when, when I, I don't know how I forgot this, but I've definitely been seeing articles for years of people calling Duterte the Philippines' Trump. And so the leaders have always been very much aligned somewhat with, with, with one another, especially in contrast to the past relationship with Obama. But I guess we'll now move on to more of the highly debated kind of area of it, which is the South China Sea versus the West Philippine Sea. So does anyone want to kind of bring us into scope for this one? Jasmine, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I'm super informed on the matter, I won't lie, but I do know that it is extremely disputed because this is, I mean, generally around the world, water, oceans, they're constantly disputed. Who owns the ocean, right? Who knows? So big. But basically, China currently, this is the current scenario, China has the nine dash line or like a 10-dash line, 11-dash line, they're known as all of those things, which basically kind of defines this large portion of the ocean between the Philippines, Vietnam, Malaysia, and China. And it's very in favor of China. It has a huge chunk for China, and tiny amounts for all these other countries. And part of the reason why is because of the Spratly Islands in the middle of it, that are technically occupied by China. So it's contested by these other countries. They feel like China is taking advantage of them, taking over all this water when it's yeah. really theirs. Yeah, and definitely because China within that region is probably one of the strongest countries in terms of like military and just in general, considering China is considered the world's strongest economy. And so, yeah, actually, what's I believe one of the points of 
contention between for these islands specifically is i think they have a lot of oil on them and so it's a highly valuable natural resource and so a lot of people or a lot of countries are vying for i guess occupation of it anyone want to add wakin kareem anything uh, to add on to the natural resources uh, aspect of it, aside from the oil, uh, the South, I've also recently read an article that states that the South China Sea is like home to over half of the world's fishing, uh, mm-hmm. like fishing boats and just fishing uh, general and generally the fishing that over there is a really important resource for food and other produ- uh, products that people around that region, such as Indonesia, Thailand, Philippines, all you know. I was also, this is another interesting thing, and one of the arguments that why China maybe should take control over the South China Sea and it be officially China's land is that they've been investing a lot in offshore energy, renewable energy sources. So one of those big ones is new technology to make offshore nuclear plants. Now, personally, as someone who is a big fan of everything environment, (laughs) I think that's really good. I really like that because China is one of the biggest consumers of energy, one of the biggest emitters, and their move towards nuclear energy, I think, is really, really good. And it also has, I mean, politically, it also gives them a lot more power because now these artificial islands, if you will, or nuclear power plants, they're extending into the South China Sea and further, I guess, reinforce the idea that this area is China's. Yeah, also, could you just speak a little more about, oh, actually, you know what we should talk about? We should bring up, how is the U.S. involved in all of this, you may ask? How does the U.S. kind of make it? How does it come into play within this dispute seemingly between China and just everyone around China? And so does anyone want to discuss this? I believe, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm the best to speak on this. I, I feel like maybe Jasmine or anyone, honestly, would like to take this one. <laughs> I don't know so much about it, but I'll look at the outline and I'll, I'll give you the rundown of what I can see. Uh, so... <laughs> China fired some ballistic missiles into the South China Sea, yeah. I guess, to test them out. And the U.S. is very upset about this because, as you know, the U.S. and China, they don't like each other at all. And whenever China is firing some military... Or anyone's firing some military things. Matter, the United States that gets on their radar, and now the United States is challenging its interests in the sea, despite the fact the United States is actually on the other side of the world. Yep. It's kind of interesting. Um, The Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, called China's pursuit of the territorial claims unlawful. Yeah, I, I believe, like, from my knowledge of this, which... Might not be the best, but I I do I I'm pretty sure the U.S. has backed the Philippines in this because okay the the way that I used to be explained or people used to explain this dispute to me because it's been it's been going for years like it's just kind of been a long-standing conflict between um, the Philippines, China, and now that the U.S. kind of has entered the ring, but it was 
I believe more more countries apart from China believe it does belong to the Philippines, but we're just not strong enough of a military power to be able to fully claim it in the same way that China has. And China's, I believe China's nine dash line is like a very old, old thing, right, Jazz? Or is it, or am I incorrect here? <laughs> but yeah people will just say like yeah so china kind of pulled out like some old maps in order to justify their their occupation of it and so yeah i guess the the united states comes into play here because they are kind of trying to support the philippines because they're almost being bullied by china into just accepting the fact that it's the south the south china sea instead of the west philippine sea and so yeah, does anyone want to fact-check me? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, an additional point as well. Uh, I, th- I think it cannot be understated the like, importance, like the, how much, how tense it is in that region as like mm-hmm. one wrong military, one wrong move there, like, you know, uh, firing a ballistic missile or like reports previously have shown that there's been like shootouts there with other countries that could like maybe cause a global uh, conflict amongst these countries and the like, like asking who owns the land that's left over what an excellent summary of this conflict <laughs> i know i know it back when president obama was president of the united states um he his official administration policy in china was we welcome china's rise as long as you don't interfere with the sovereignty of other states I think what yeah. Mike Pompeo's line of attack is, is that he, because um, this is generally the United States, it has been the United States' policy in China for some time, so mm-hmm. he's taking the side that uh, what China is doing is a right Interfering. threat to the sovereignty of other states. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that's like the entire point of like the dispute, the fact that they are claiming land that might not necessarily be theirs. And so in that way, it is threatening the sovereignty of neighboring kind of countries. And so, yes, anyone? Yeah, Jazz? So just like transition, a little segue, it kind of feeds into the contradictory relationship, if you will, that the Philippines does have. Because you mentioned before how the Philippines is kind of leading towards yes. Russia-China. Mm-hmm. But I think during the Obama administration, not so much anymore. But then also, Still kind of. Duterte has been prioritizing coronavirus aid from China and Russia. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's another thing that's happening that may be considered cause for tensions between the United States and the Philippines. Uh, is it okay if I just add my opinion on this? Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. We welcome opinions. That's why we do podcasts. <laughs> okay. Even though I think many people 
for criticizing the Turk that uh, for you know wanting Russia's help. I believe that it is a good decision as uh, Russia has always been a scientific powerhouse in the since ever, since the Cold War. All the best scientists have always come from the Soviet Union. I believe like the uh, capable the is just highly skilled. Mm -hmm. Like for example, my my two grandmothers were uh, as like pharmaceuticals. Uh, companies in the Soviet Union and uh, it's like yeah they just help a lot with you know curing uh, diseases uh, during the time period uh, lots of vaccinations and I just think it was like uh, yeah it's just, uh, the Russia is very it's a good yeah. decision and have a good vaccine yeah I definitely think I I definitely think it's along the same like we as a country I mean in terms of the COVID pandemic like, admittedly, it's not going too well here. Like, I'm pretty sure we're all shooting this. Still in quarantine, and we've been in quarantine since March. Nothing's especially getting be better. And so, honestly, I think, like, we kind of are forced to kind of be open to accepting any aid that is extended to us. And, like, if it happens to be Russian, that that that's honestly, out of necessity, it's kind of more of a need rather than, like, a difference of opinion now. Russia is an innovative powerhouse. I think that China is as well. I mean, personally, I think that Trump has let his personal views on China cloud his interpretation of the way that the Chinese definitely yeah. Virus. Despite the fact that the virus came from China, I don't think that implicit blame should be placed on the state. And the way that China handled it, I mean, the World Health Organization even praised China for the way that they handled the virus. And considering the way that China handled it, I think that it's really important that then China is now helping out the Philippines who... Is, yeah, because China's a lot better now. But I also think it's important um, to just not forget the fact that China was actually silencing its whistleblowers for at the start of the pandemic because they didn't want it to be yeah. too much of a big thing. And I guess that kind of that's kind of mirrored by the silencing of the media we've seen with the whole ABS-CBN thing that, w that happened one like just a few months ago. China as well. I mean, the truth has been really, really harped on by activists all over the country for mm -hmm. this terrible shutdown of ABS-CBN for infringing upon your right to freedom of expression, freedom of speech. And I, I guess we mentioned before a lot his comparisons to his leadership with Trump, but I feel like that has a lot more comparison with like Xi Jinping from China and the Chinese presidency's censorship right yes they're big on cyber control and mm -hmm. control of thinking things like that to ensure legitimacy of the state and i feel like Duterte is taking a lot of steps in that similar direction kind of going away from the american liberal ideology yeah and also speaking more towards um kind of the relationship between china and the philippines i'm Looking at a direct quote right now, and actually in regards to the, most recently in regards to the dispute in the South China slash, South China slash West Philippine Sea, he said, as he just simply said, China is claiming it, we are claiming it.
China has the arms, we do not have it. So it's as simple as that. They are in possession of the property. And so, yeah, I guess it just speaks towards, like, it's kind of, hmm. I mean, it's just tough. Everyone, it, the tensions are just high. Yeah, within that area, especially. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But, I also yeah. I want to touch upon, I mean, we've, we've had a podcast already about, like, Black Lives Matter, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But, and I'm, I'm not Filipino, but I've kind of seen a lot around, like, the use of, like, Philippinex, you know, like, Latinx. Ah, yes, yes, that has been a thing. I don't know, do you guys have any thoughts on that as Liana looking? Ah, uh. Personally, I'm not too informed on the issue, though I do understand the basis of it, and it's the X is kind of in replacement of an A or an O, which are used in both languages to express, I believe, female or male kind of meaning, I guess. Um, I don't know. Padilla, do you have any thoughts on, on the Philippine X situation? Oh, I feel like this, um, in the end, this is a term meant because the um, Filipino language was, um, in fact, the word Filipino came from uh, Spanish, which is a very, mm-hmm. very gendered language. And it's more, it's meant more to be a, a term used by those who feel like the traditional gender labels doesn't Spanish apply language do not represent that like even i know some people argue that oh of uh, filipino is already not gendered um because the filipino language itself does not have any concept of grammatical gender but they are forgetting the fact that even i feel like some could argue that they're forgetting the fact that the word filipino itself came, did not come from the native tongues it came from spanish, spanish. so in a way people do see it as a way people that are upset about it that's valid that's valid right valid to be something that you advocate for but i don't think that it should be advocated for just on the basis that the latino community has done it does that make sense yeah no the united states is definitely be one of the most i'd say criticized um countries in terms of their coronavirus response it yeah, so I guess in line with what Kareem said earlier, it's I feel like the United States is dealing too much with its own problems to kind of be giving out aid in the same way that China and the, and Russia have. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, again, with what Jasmine said earlier, I feel like Trump's um, view on the entire issue of the virus has been very much influenced by his personal biases against China. And so that's why we see, that's why we saw language early on, like the China virus, and which was another headline for a bit, because Trump was very quick to place immediate blame on China. But yeah, I think... Yeah, uh, just, mm-hmm. just to finally touch on the touch base, I think the Philippines' response to the coronavirus has been, I think it's been all good, considering the fact that it's a hundred million uh, million population countries and very small land space populated Mm -hmm. and the fact that there are only like 2,000 cases a day is I think it's it's a resounding victory for the the government against the virus 
At the same time, though, it is important to note that we do not have the testing capacity of somewhere like the U.S. And so the amount of and also they're expensive. So to an extent, actually, I don't know. I heard recently that they were going to start becoming free, but I'm not sure if that's like an actual thing. But I do know we don't have the testing capacity. So I don't I think the tricky part with the coronavirus is the fact that we'll never really know how many people had it because of testing. of the Philippines works the slums, the way that... It spreads. Mm -hmm. I think that it is inevitable to have extreme levels of cases. I mean, obviously, we're all very lucky to live in places that are not Mm -hmm. impoverished. But I think with the great amount of people in Metro Manila that are living in places where they have no choice but to go outside and interact with people without the luxury of being able to pay for a mask and mm-hmm. things like that. I think that regardless of the way it's handled, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty bad. And so far I think that it could have been worse. So I think I also think it could have been worse. I mean it definitely started out Actually, I remember it started start, early into, like, the pandemic, before it was even labeled a pandemic. Um, people were praising the Philippines' response because our outbreak wasn't, like, too bad. And then once we got testing, I believe, actually, it was sourced from China for the most part. Um, then we started finding out that it was kind of worse than we thought. And so, yeah, I feel like... Mm-hmm. Should we wrap up? Yeah, I think we've had a... Suman, do you have any... Okay, I'm going to say we had a nice, insightful conversation today, guys. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in to... Can someone else do the pronunciation? I think I will butcher it again. Thank you for tuning into that. Uh, we will see you next time, and thank you for tuning into our edition of... Or just brief, fun little discussion on Filipino-American relations now yay thank you